Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. And it's that special time of your day, or week, or year, or whatever it is. It's Guys of a Certain Age. Robbie Koblenz in studio alongside Art Shirley and Jay Reed. You know, I... One of you guys needs needs to do the intro at some point. Didn't we try that? Didn't I fail miserably at that? Oh, but, you know, I think you're on cold medicine or something. I think we can make it happen. Constant cold medicine. Constant cold medicine. We're in the South. Uh, Thank you, allergies. How are you guys doing? Uh, New episode? All three of us in studio? Yeah. Which we we didn't we didn't think pumped. that was going to happen, but yeah, we I worked out well. I'm pumped. They were trying to depose me from from behind the board. It's what they were trying to do. The coup did not work. So okay. the coup to I Robbie. That, I thought that was something we had talked about you know, <laughs> to try to give him a break. Oh, man, what is it about absolute podcast podcast power corrupts absolutely along with hard drives? Yeah, as long as you keep bringing goodies, though, we're, we're going to let you keep coming. There you go. Yeah, and, that's... And the fact that it's his studio. Well, right. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's just... That's small. You guys could probably change the keys, so... All right. Well, I think we've got a Geek of the Week, and that's coming from our favorite geek at the table, Jay Reed. All right. So, I ran into this documentary uh, a few weeks back, and just brought me back in time. Uh, it's called The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. And what it is, it's about a guy, two guys actually, primarily, Billy Mitchell and Steve Wiebe, who competed for the highest Donkey Kong score ever. Hmm. Now, to give you some background, um, Life Magazine, I believe, back in, gosh, 82 maybe, uh, brought together maybe half dozen plus guys who were the leading scorers for all the games that you know, Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, Centipede, Cubert, all that. Uh, for a photo shoot back in the, I think it was 86 maybe, uh, maybe 82, anyway, mid-80s. And then fast forward, this guy, um, Steve Wiebe, he's a teacher uh, in the Midwest and he gets laid off, so I guess just to kill time, he decides to start playing Donkey Kong and and get this high score. So he does, uh, he beats the score, and then he goes to this um, fun spot, which is uh, an uh, arcade and – Laconia, New Hampshire. I'm having trouble with pronunciation today. But um, anyway, he goes there, and he he gets to the kill screen. I learned a lot on this. you know what the kill screen is? I don't. It's when you get to a certain point in the game where it just can't handle any more play, it, and it dies. So it's up with with uh, Weeby. He got up to 985,600, and the kill Good screen grief. happened. But, you know, it all depends on the scoring. You can actually get higher than that. So he he got the high score, and then Mitchell, who's this guy that's you know always in the game, he sends a video that shows him going over a million, and vice. You know, they just kind of go back and forth. They never actually compete head to head, but you meet all these people. One of the guys I wanted to quote this guy's name is Walter Day, and he's the one that started a website called Twin Galaxies, and they're the ones. It's still active actually, and they keep up with all the video game high scores. And so if you want to compete, if you want to get your high score, there's rules and regulations and way that they do that. Is there a way to verify it? I guess that's part of it. Well, and that's a whole lot about the movie because there's different boards. They've got us like, they ended up sending boards to Nintendo to make sure that it hadn't been altered. CPUs. Um, yeah. Yeah. Processing boards. Some, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they, they do have some ways to verify it. Some of it's by video, but um, Billy Mitchell has sent a video and, you know, they just automatically accepted it because he was the dude uh, that everybody knew. Um, but Walter Day, he was kind of the, I guess, the coordinator and the, 
the head referee. In fact, through the movie, he's wearing a referee shirt. Uh-huh. Uh, and he said this. He said, I wanted to be a hero. I wanted to be the center of attention, fame, and glory. I wanted pretty girls to come up and say, hi, I see you're good at Centipede. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we all? And Centipede was my game. I, I, but I, I never really had that, that thought. But the interesting thing is after I watched all this movie, and it's a really well-done documentary. If you know the games at all, it's really good. Um, at the end, I kind of Googled to see you know, what's going on now. And Billy Mitchell had been stripped like of all his records. They decided that some of his scores were fraudulent. Wow. This was back a year ago. And I haven't been able to find anything since then. But uh, the, his world record was removed. And uh, anyway, it was just, it's just fascinating. So King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. And I think if you've ever seen A Fistful of Dollars, right. that's a, a movie about rival families going after each other. So this is a movie about rival Donkey Kong players. And maybe the funniest thing, <laughs> when Weeby was, was recording his game that uh, at home in his garage <laughs> before he – the first really high score that he got. His son is calling out for help, and he's recording it on video, and his son's going, Daddy, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm yeah. about to score. <laughs> Daddy, wipe my butt. <laughs> and it's all in the video. <laughs> Sorry, Jay's mom. Sorry, Jay's mom. Yeah, it's okay when he says it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, so anyway, I highly recommend it if you're into that kind of game. So it's fascinating. So I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry, and so Mitchell was um, was found to use emulation software and not true arcade uh, games to get his scores. Ooh. So therefore, all his titles were stripped. Wow. According to Twin Galaxies, uh, and so he is banned. He's stripped of all his records and banned from submitting further scores. And Weeby was recognized as the first person to score over a million points. Right. So that's like the video game version of steroids, I guess. You know, so like, they yeah. they Lance Armstrong him. Yeah, <laughs> Armstrong him is what they did. Another interesting point is the the world record holder for Cubert was like a 90-year-old lady. She would, she died just a few years ago, I think, maybe. Well, maybe 2006. This was a they had a kind of a little in memoriam at the end of the documentary and it was done in 07. So she was how old she was. She was like exceedingly grandmother. That's crazy. <laughs> just the perfect grandmother look and here she is on Cubert just That's going hilarious. crazy. And tell us again where you saw it. I I had to rent it. I got it from Netflix, the DVD, the DVD. from Netflix. Of course you did. Because the it was DVD. already paid for. Yeah. Cool. But cool. you can rent it on Amazon Prime and other places too. Yeah. So if you want to be modern and stream it, you know, so you have to pay. You know, I'd heard about it and uh, had never seen it. So I saw that it, it uh, just doing the research as you're telling us the synopses, it uh, premiered at Slam Dance, which is kind of an alternative uh, festival, a very South by Southwest type of film festival, which is. Uh, it won a bunch of like film festival awards. Yeah. Yeah. It did. It did. Uh, that's cool. So what was your video game of choice? You said Centipede? Centipede was the one I was the best at. I, I played the other ones, Galaga, Pac-Man. I remember being at um, the Pizza Hut here in Starville. had one of those table versions of uh, Pac-Man where you could sit down and play. And so yeah. I remember that. But, but Centipede was what I was best at. I still love it. What about um, you, Art? Yeah, you know, I didn't really play video games. Pong was probably my video game of choice. <laughs> I actually liked the Star Wars arcade game. Remember with the little... Uh, vector version of the, the ships and you'd fight it looked like you were you had the kind of same heads up display as you were when you were in the trenches in the in the movie but that's about that's about it for me yeah there was an atari driving game too in the arcades that i used to be decent at i can't was remember it, the name of was it was it grand prix i don't remember huh uh, yeah it was 
Yeah, nothing. Mario Kart, I stink, but when I was actually in the driver's seat, I, yeah. I, I was all right. You could do it then. I could do it then. Yeah. I played a lot of Contra, uh, and I still remember the God Code, left, right, left, right. Oh, man, I'd have to have a controller to do the guy. Of course, that's the Nintendo version of it, but uh played Contra and... Uh, trying to think gauntlet oh man i love some gauntlet you guys ever play gauntlet i don't, I don't remember that blue warrior is about to die so basically you could be a warrior a, a mage or a wizard a, a valkyrie and an elf i believe were the four and you would be a color so it was a four-player game and it's like a a D simulation and you're going through and you've got orcs coming or goblins or whatever and you've got to get treasure and you got to get food and so it, it would track with health points i believe there were health points is that and an arcade game arcade game and also a console game so okay. played gauntlet a lot that was a lot of fun this one thing that i noticed uh, this guy weeby that that one you know that was this uh, focus of the movie he he actually was had a grease pencil and he was trying to figure out, you know, like the patterns and stuff on when the Mario should go up the steps and save the girl and all that. And to figure all that out, he had like certain jumps drawn out in grease pencil so he could figure on his screen so he could figure out, you know, where the exactly the right time was. So it's a science to get those scores. Yeah. Only an engineer would come up with that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we're, you know, we're kind of in the, in the early mid eighties right now, even though this is a 2008 movie we we're talking about. And one of the things we have talked about from time to time off mic is, um, kind of how technology influences our lives. Then we got to reminiscing about computers and whatnot. So we wanted to really kind of set the clock back and, and talk about Apple and how influential Apple has been um, from a technology standpoint with us. Art's a graphic designer by trade. I'm a television producer, video producer. So we've used a lot of Macs. And even I go back to Apple IIe. Um, we don't know about Jay. Maybe he... I'm, I was an early Mac adopter. There you go. Well, talk. What was your first Mac, Jay? Well, I, 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 the first Mac I bought would have been about eighty. Sorry, ninety three. And uh, Art and I talked about this the other day off mic and tried to figure out which one it Probably was. Probably a CI or an SI two. Something SI, like two that. CI. But before that, when I was in junior high school, around seventy nine eighty. Uh, one of the industrial arts teacher, Larry Anderson. Shout out to Mr. Anderson. Oh, I know Dr. Larry. Anderson, yeah, he got the first Apple I've ever seen. And he had it there in his workshop, and we'd go over there. I was in a peak program, and so we'd go over there and hang out with with that sometimes. And so he was, and he went on to become an Apple educator, and was just all yeah. things Apple after that. But that one of the biggest mistakes of my school career was in peak. We had to have a project, and my choice was either to work with Mr. Anderson uh, and do stuff with the Apple, or go out to Knoxby Refuge and watch deer in a pen and decided what was the pecking order of the deer and i chose the deer i really i, I know it was a bad decision boy your life that could have been that could have been one of those inflection points in your life that it probably was yeah yeah but that was my first uh touch with apple and then after college when i moved to north carolina i've been 93 94 i bought a mac for the home at, at circuit city oh, yeah circuit city. yeah Ooh, yeah yeah so that's where i started i had ended up having to get a pc to because i the company i worked for after that just to be compatible. I, and that was before Apple had all the programs. I mean, now you can do whatever. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get to that. But, but yeah, that's kind of my, my start. What, what about you, Art? Uh, the first Mac I saw was the original Macintosh that came out in 84. Uh, my good friend George Abide had it and invited me over to look at it, you know, thinking we would look at it quickly and then go on and do something else. And I started playing with it, and he had Mac Payne on it. And Ooh. I, you know, took the mouse and was drawing with that as if it were a – you know, stylus you would use today, but 
and ended up doing two comic book pages with it. And we've still got those somewhere. But uh, it just loved it, fell in love with it, thought it was great. Uh, and the first Mac I actually worked on uh, was not uh, moved and, and lived in Memphis for a while. And we were not were using computers at the print shop uh, that I worked at there, but moved back to West Point and had a 2FX, mm, which yeah. was, you know, was supposed to be wicked fast, you know, and all yeah. this kind of stuff. And uh, uh, it's tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. And now you go, wow, the processing of that. <laughs> you know, the, the hard drive actually went out, and I was working off of a 44-megabyte PsyQuest drive for a Ooh. long time. <laughs> so yeah. so wow. anyway, it's just a – but, you know, fell in love with that point. We At home, we had an Epson computer and tried to do things on it and just never really, you know – my wife and, and sons have had PC computers and I like them. I know they can do, you know, as much as you need to do now, but I've just never felt as at home with them as I, you know, doing the Macintosh so, or on Apple products. So what year was that? The, uh, the one, when you were at work, uh, uh, 92 the- would have been that. And like I said, we, I had the two FX, which was the only computer in the shop. And then, uh, two other graphic designers got, uh, I think the two uh, the two CIs or the two SIs, or maybe we had one of each or whatever, but uh, uh, we still had an original Mac uh, that we were doing bookkeeping on, and that served us for, you know, probably for 10 years. Yeah. You know? So, uh, or, or even longer than that since it came out in 84, but uh, that was a great machine for a long time. You could do a lot of things with it. I remember working on a... Um uh, a 2x i believe it was 2x it may, I, no it may have been an fx anyway at the meridian community college media center and um we got it to do some some 3d work with or some simple animation mm-hmm. and they put the wrong video card in it, oh uh, no and so we couldn't get video out of it it was it was yeah it was the the vendor there in town didn't really know exactly what they were doing this was oh 90 you know this is really truly plug and pray mm-hmm. and uh drivers were a little bit more difficult um i remember a program called digital dark room yeah i remember that program and i remember uh it's kind of a precursor to photoshop uh-huh. and and the tutorial had the leaning tower of pisa and so you would straighten the leaning tower of pisa and it would take about three minutes to process <laughs> you know you like okay let's go four degrees left and you'd hit enter, and literally, it was like it's like ninety seconds to two and a half. Oh yeah, minutes. yeah. You would sit there, and, and you know, the w- <laughs> and you thought it was the greatest thing. Yeah, yeah you did. Fast. You'd, you'd sit there and go, okay, I'm going to change this, and all right, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee, and I'll be back in a minute, and this will be done. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Run P app, yeah. <laughs> except it's not. <laughs> so, but you know, we we tried to make a Mac do video things very early on, and um, you know the the operating. Um, system didn't support video initially i mean it didn't support quicktime until what was that system five system six uh if system six maybe system seven because i can remember quicktime and it was uh was still at brian so that would have been somewhere between uh 91 and 96 and i remember seeing the first quicktime file and of course probably downloaded it from aol you know took you know six <laughs> days and came back and if i remember correctly it was probably 100 mix- megapixels by 50 megapixel thing of Jackie Robinson, um, just extreme, like, like a, you know, it looks like an animated, uh, GIF now. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you're sitting there going, and I thought this is the coolest thing. People go, oh, this is, what are you talking about? I said, this is going to be huge. At some point, this is going to be huge. Little realizing just how completely it would change things, yeah. but it certainly has. Well, it was interesting to see, um, you know, those were the, the, 
the, the darker years for Apple because at that point Steve Jobs had had lost control of the company. Um, not that he had, you know, Steve Jobs was a director. He was, I think he was CE. No, he was, he was chairman of the board. Um, anyway, he had a board position. He was a large stakeholder. Uh, John Scully was the CEO of Apple. And um, Jobs had brought Scully over from Pepsi, Pepsi-Cola. And, uh, you know, the, the pitch goes, this, you know, at that point, Apple was the, the, the young upstarts. They were going against Big Blue IBM. And they needed an adult to lead them. <laughs> and Steve Jobs went, and, you know, the, the urban legend is he, uh, he went to John Scully and Scully didn't want to leave this great job at Pepsi-Cola, you know, so it's a, a dominant player in the cola industry. And Jobs is like, do you want to come help me change the world or do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? <laughs> and that, and that Steve Jobs reality distortion field, you know? And, uh, so they came over and, and, you know, Jobs got booted off because he was very difficult to work with among other things, but, um, they lost that singular vision and, um, then they ended up fragmenting their, their, their lines. So, you know, you talked about a two SI or a two CI, they were like 18 different Apple models. Right. And then for a while you had third party people, you know, the Performa stuff or was that, that was an Apple product for consumers, right? No, the the Performa was actually, I believe the education line. Okay. Yeah. I know they had one that they sold through Sears. Yeah. That was a, a different thing. I think I had a quadra at one point, but, um, but then you had like uh, Radius sold, uh, yeah, Radius sold third parties and a third party. So they opened up the licensing, Jay, to of the Mac operating system. Do I have a glazed look? Yeah, and this was yeah. Gil, just like a donut. This was uh, uh, Gil Emilio, Emilio, but this yeah. is before Emilio. Okay. This was the uh, CEO. There was a. Uh, German and dude. we may be going too far off into the weeds. Yeah, but but anyway, so Apple really went in wandering in the wilderness after Jobs left. the The PCs, the PC clones, were kicking their butt, and um, so they were very much we're going to control hardware, software. We're going to control the entire experience end to end. They did not license the Mac operating system out, and so while you know. IBM created this platform from off-the-shelf parts, went to Microsoft to get an operating system to make it all go. Microsoft kept distribution rights and ownership of that operating system so they could send it out to whoever. And so that allowed other companies to come in and make clones, PC clones, Compact being one of the first. And uh, so that's you, you had cheaper versions of the IBM PC out there using the same operating system. They could use the same software boom that's how the ibm pc uh propagated out into the world apple was more expensive um had a better end-to-end experience but they just were stagnant i mean they dropped down to under 10 percent of of market and uh, got down to maybe two percent at one point and they tried to license their their operating system out to open it up to third parties to create cheaper machines um, cheaper than Apple hardware, and Apple would then go the Microsoft way and um, and come in and, and license the operating system. So anyway, so that happened, and then, you know, Scully left, and they had a couple, they had a Schindler, um, I think that was the CEO. And anyway, long, 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 I could go on for hours. I've gone on for 15 minutes. 
the 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 reemergence of Steve Jobs is really what changed Apple. Apple um, they got into a, a bind. They were trying to modernize their operating system. They got into System Seven, and then System Eight and System Nine, and it wasn't a modern operating modern operating system. So Apple went and bought Next Computer, which from Steve Jobs from Steve Jobs Strange to buy enough. the operating system. Mm-hmm brought Steve Jobs back, he ascended to CEO. One of the interesting things at that point, they were about out of cash. Steve convinced, Jobs convinced Microsoft to drop a $150 million investment into Apple to keep it going uh, because it was in Microsoft's best interest that Apple kept going because it, it, it lessened the uh, cries of monopoly and uh, because Microsoft was being looked at as being a monopoly in the computer space. Um, and I remember Michael Dell saying that the best thing that Steve Jobs could probably do would be to sell the components of Apple off, sell QuickTime off and some of the patents and give the money back to the shareholders. They should shut down Apple. So Michael Dell, Dell Computers, dude, you're getting a Dell. Yeah. Yeah. So and we see where Dell is today compared to where Apple is. So anyway, so that's the computer. Steve Jobs comes back. The iMac is born. But... The thing that really changed them was what I'm holding in my hand. Yeah, and I see y'all all brought toys. We did. So, 10,000 10, songs in your pocket. No, 1,000 songs <laughs> in your pocket the first time. Was that what it was? Okay. So, the iPod. I think that's right. Yeah, I think you're right. Changed everything, and that changed the fortune of Apple. And I got my first one, the original one from uh, Phil Valentine, my brother-in-law, because he get, said, I got this, I don't even know, I'm not really sure what it is. And I said, <laughs> he said do you want it? I well, said, he's a monk. I said, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, so he did. He's a monk. He can't He can't do technology, so. Um, but I loved it. You know, I thought it was great. And, uh, of course, I, it seems like it was, the complaints were it was overpriced. There are already good MP3 players out there. Why do you need this? But. Yeah, the Zune. The Zune. Yeah. So, it was great. So, so you've got, is that the original one you've, you've uh, got This there is right? actually the second generation. Okay, but so. it still has the click wheel. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so, I'm not sure what I've got. I, this one, I tried to charge these up. This one was big and like yours almost, but but it's probably from the... That's a fourth generation. Yeah. I have one of those as well. Five-ish. So, so what, what Jay's got is a fourth generation iPod. Yeah. So how did the iPod change your life, Jay? Well, just being able to carry stuff around. I mean, I, I this I've still got a Nano that works, and it's got ready. It's got a camera. It's got ready. I used to take it to ball games and just put it in my pocket and listen to the you know the high school announcer or whatever. That's right. And the, it still works. The Nano did have a radio built into it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's still I've got I've got podcasts on here. I got pictures, videos, just tons of stuff. I don't know what I wish I knew it was on this one, the bigger one, because it's is dead. Yeah, we've got several that are dead. I've still my fourth generation uh, is still alive, and I've got I think. I've got pretty much my entire music collection on it, and I can throw it in the glove compartment of the car and, and play stuff off of that. You know, so that's kind of nice. Our, our, we got you know before we were fully Mac'd. You know, right now I've got another Mac, uh, you know, for work and home stuff, and my wife has an iPad and all. The, you know, we all have iPhones. I wanted to kind of be compatible together once we got back to the states, but it. Uh, we didn't get our Apple IDs <laughs> clear at the first, and so I'm the only one that had one. So I'll have stuff pop up on all kinds of products. Yeah, that's something it's that's confusing. Yeah, it's very confusing. So, and, so was the did you own a Mac computer prior to your iPod? 
Well, yeah, I had the Mac, the early Mac from the nineties. And yeah. then when we went overseas, I, I gave it to somebody and put all my stuff on floppies. And the funny thing is we got overseas and this guy who was a big Mac fan, he took all my floppies and converted them so that I could read the documents and all that stuff. Now, of course, now they're still on those floppies. <laughs> and good, so they may not, good luck with I, I got to find a way to get them back. I may have them on a computer. I've got a couple of computers in the, uh, in the graveyard, but they'll still turn on a couple of laptops. But yeah, then when we got back, I went to Mac. I was tired of viruses and stuff with my Dell. I mean, I had, I'd had good experience with the Dell, but I guess got kind of tired of it and went to back to a Mac. And so I got a Mac pro now and, um, minimal problems with it and we'll stick with that. Yeah. So what was your, I mean, you used one at work, you had an iPod. When was the first time you got a Mac at home? Uh, we got a Mac at home. Uh, I guess I was, I, I was still working for Brian. So it would have been in 95, 96 Brian foods. And, uh, like I said, I, I can't remember what that was a quadra sticks in my head for some reason, but I'm not sure that's what it was, but it was, you know, one of the, the, uh, double size pizza box kind of things yeah. you know what i'm talking about as opposed to a stand-up desktop and it was great we we really enjoyed that uh, a lot and, and that was kind of our main computer at home uh since then i've had a g3 a g4 uh ibooks macbook pros um i have we've got several ipads we've got uh you know apple tvs <laughs> apple watch though oh yeah we're about highly apple invested TV. in there yeah uh, I just read about a guy that uh, used a fraudulent iTunes card and got locked out of his stuff for like six months to a year. Oh gosh! Uh, wow. Because Apple thought he was, uh, you know, uh, fraudulent and 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 closed his account. And he said, "I realized I had fifteen thousand dollars worth of stuff that was tied into Apple that I could not use to its fullest." And so it's kind of scary because I've got so much tied into it now. But um, so the Big Apple instead of the Big Brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Uh, right now I've got an iMac at home that we use, a couple of iMacs at home that we use, uh, and then I've got a MacBook Pro, and then an iPad Pro. That I, to me is that was that was those, uh, the the game changers personally for me were the iPad, uh, the iPod rather, the iPhone which I resisted getting until Robbie got his, and I said <laughs> I got to have this because it was so cool, uh, and I, now it's kind of a love hate relationship with the <laughs> iPhone. Um, and then the iPad Pro was to me. The the computers were all great, but I mean they worked as I expected them to work, and uh, I thought they were wonderful machines. But those three things uh, were were game changers in the way I either consumed music, uh, you know, uh, other material, or, or communicated or created stuff. Because when I got the iPad Pro and the the pencil. That really changed the way I, I do my artwork now. Yeah, and with the podcasting, man, I, I'd never really heard of podcasting until I got my iPod, mm-hmm. and then I started listening to podcasts. Yeah, that's a good and, point. You know, when I came back from, I, I had an iPod overseas, but but when I came back, I was traveling a lot, and having that iPod full of podcasts I could listen to in the car. I mean, really, I, it started. One, and here I am, yeah, behind the mic. You're providing. Yeah. You're pro- right. providing the a podcast pod. legend. That's right. <laughs> The rest is history. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, you know, Apple has ingrained themselves into our everyday life at this point. So, for you, Art, the iPad Pro was the ultimate game changer. Is that correct? I would say so, yeah. I would say in terms of, because uh, what I had at that point was a a Wacom Cintiq tablet that I was drawing with that I liked, but you'd have to take it out. There was all these wires and hardware, and and then you still had to have it hooked to a, a, I had a, a MacBook that I would hook it to and I could draw on that, but it was still 
a pretty big ordeal to pull it out of uh, if you had it in storage, you know, or you had to leave it kind of set up somewhere. It was not portable. Whereas the uh, iPad Pro gave me uh, every bit as much functionality and responsiveness in terms of drawing as the, the Cintiq did. Uh, but I could I could draw with it anywhere. I could have just throw it in a briefcase and then pull it out whenever I wanted to. So it was great. Plus, it, it saves, you know, I use Procreate, uh, which allows me to save layered Photoshop files and bring them into Photoshop if I need to do things with them. So it's, it's just an amazing tool. What about you, Jay? So what's that? If you had to pick one Apple device that changed your life, what would it be? Uh, probably this iPod. I think so. Can you tell what iPod it is to the people at home who are not it's looking? It's a Nano. Yeah. I don't know what generation or anything like that, but it's, it's a, you know, I've had several nanos and this is like the most advanced that I, at least that I owned. I had some that were like square that, you know, you easily lost and easily left in pockets in the washing machine like that. Yeah. yeah. I've got a nano. Yeah. Uh, the, the clip on nano, I've actually got the, uh, I've got the precursors to his, to Jay's nano. I've got the original nano, which, uh, so all three of these are nano. That's correct. Right. Cause we've had Even those two. Yeah, that no, that's not a nano. Okay. You've got a nano right there. I've got two nanos. So I've got the first generation nano, which was designed to work out in, which was essentially a USB thumb drive okay. um, that had a lanyard around it and a, um, just a click wheel and a on off. And um, I used this to run and it was great. And then I got the next version of the nano, which is the click on, which was a pretty small unit right. that, you, just like that. that you would click on. It's probably two inches by an inch and a half has a click you put it on and you can you know have it on your collar listen to music uh and this is probably the thing the the nano um this was an indispensable piece for me as i started to run uh, because i could load stuff up on it and go um just a, a pretty incredible device and it was probably oh gosh i think this these these nanos are some of the last things I think that Steve Jobs worked on, mm-hmm. um, and then you you got into the to eighteen different versions of the iPhone, and you've got all these old you know Steve Jobs believed in simplicity, 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 and Apple has come back and kind of really yeah. diluted their product line again. Yeah, but if you look at Apple, I think you could name a few other industries or products that have done this, but how Apple has impacted not just the three of us in the room, but the world with the amount of iPhones that, Mm -hmm. I mean, how many, it wasn't that long ago when the iPhone was just, uh, you know, they're going to introduce a phone at this next conference. Right. Yeah. And we, you know, a phone and we already have phones. What's they, what are they going to do? Yeah. And then now it's a worldwide phenomenon. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's literally changed. And that virtual tool set, uh, the touchscreen or whatever, that was as much of the, uh, that was as much of a game changer as anything because this phone could now become any, and in fact, the phone is probably what I use it for, you know, the least of yeah. all its functions. In fact, I, I sometimes have to go, how do I make a call on this? <laughs> one thing too, I mentioned that was kind of a game changer for me was the Apple TV. I had one of the first ones I've had, you know, every iteration since then. And, uh, yeah, that's how I consume our streaming video and, and us too. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, the, um, um, the iPhone, I, I got one of the first iPhones I got, I've, I've got a, a eight gig and it was just, it was unbelievable to me. The thing that made the iPhone, uh, so incredible was, was multi-touch. The fact that they figured out how to code in to be able to have two points of contact on that screen and yeah. that's your pinch and zoom. 
right? And so the iPhone is not the iPhone without pinch and zoom. And nobody had done, uh, no one had done pinch and zoom prior to that. And gestures that we take for granted now that just seem like instinctive to us Mm -hmm. came from that device, if I'm not mistaken, right? Well, we tried on other things too. (laughs) (laughs) Can I make this bigger? No, it's just. Yeah, how many times do you. It's a donut, Jay. Yeah. Wow. And on that note, <laughs> yeah. And on that note, so we're we're at time, but that's a little bit of our Apple journey, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, no apples were harmed. Well, maybe a couple apples were harmed. I've got some old iPhones that have been taken apart, or the batteries are swollen. But no, that apple- may be another show. Strangest Apple stories we have. We'll save that for another show. But we, yeah. I've got some, yeah, some doozies on that. One. I bet you do. So anyway, so for for Jay Art, this is Robbie Coblenz. Thanks again for listening. Uh, if you like what you hear, please give us a five star rating. You can subscribe. If you hate what you hear, give us a five star rating and then blast us in the comments. But anyway, thanks for listening. See you next time.